sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. A football Friday. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Yes, a football Friday, but not just football on this Friday. Live right here on TMA. Yesterday was the Sports Equinox. All four major American professional leagues in action on the same day. So we have a ton to talk about on this Football Friday. And it's not just a Football Friday based on a result last night in Arizona for Thursday night football between the Cardinals and the Saints. The big news out of the National Football League. Late last night on a Thursday evening, the sale is on in Carolina and Christian McCaffrey has a new home. Christian McCaffrey has been traded to the San Francisco 49ers. In return, the Panthers get a second, third, and fourth round draft pick for this upcoming draft and a fifth round pick in 2024. Run CMC makes his way to the Bay to join the San Francisco 49ers. In 2020 and 2021, Christian McCaffrey only played a total of 10 games dealing with injuries. This year, he has been out there for the Panthers in all six games. And in the last five He has combined for more than 100 yards total from the line of scrimmage. What he can do in a Kyle Shanahan offense leaves one dreaming of what football can look like in the National Football League. And the Niners, giving up a ton of draft capital, although not a first-round pick, are fully in, going all in to get Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco. And we see that reflected in the odds for San Fran to win the NFC Championship. Prior to the trade yesterday, San Francisco tied for the fifth best price in the NFC at plus 850. Take $2 off that number. It's a plus 650 price for the Niners right now. The third best odds by themselves to win the NFC. The Eagles still the favorites at plus 220 in Tampa Bay. The second best number at plus 500. Plenty more reaction around the Christian McCaffrey deal, sending him to San Francisco from Carolina in a little bit here, live on the morning after on this Football Friday. But also a Football Friday because of Thursday night football in Arizona. A round of applause here. Finally, some points on a Thursday night football primetime game. 42-34, the final last night in the desert. The Cardinals snap an eight-game home losing skid and pick up the victory to improve to three and four this year. They cover as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, and a total at 43-and-a-half goes way over. Arizona almost going over that number by themselves. And the big reason why, a scoring flurry at the end of the opening half. Arizona, again, only three points in the first quarter. The worst first quarter scoring team in the National Football League. But in the final two and a half minutes of the first half, Arizona went on a frenzy. They score a touchdown offensively, a two-yard run, to tie the game at 14. And then Andy Dalton throws back-to-back pick sixes. So in a span of less than two minutes, the Cardinals went from being down 14-6 to to leading 28-14 to 
at the break and a wonderful picture from last night. Marco Wilson, who picked off that first interception for a touchdown return, diving into the end zone as Andy Dalton can only look and shrug the other way. So Arizona picks up the victory, covering as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. The big story last night, though, for the Cardinals offensively, the return of DeAndre Hopkins. And we saw that in a big way yesterday for Arizona. Quickly, though, we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. The opening hour of a football Friday live on TMA, Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. So that big storyline last night entering Thursday night football after serving a six-game suspension to begin this season, DeAndre Hopkins back for Arizona and Kyler Murray and going well over his receiving yards prop of 62 and a half. He was targeted 14 times by Kyler Murray. He finishes with 10 grabs for 103 yards but did not find his way into the end zone. It was really that defense, though, for Arizona and those back-to-back pick sixes at the end of the opening half that led to that big victory last night. So the sports equinox yesterday, not just the big trade, Christian McCaffrey going to the Niners, not just Thursday night football in the desert, not just Taylor Swift dropping a new album, but also game number two of the American League Championship Series. And for the second straight night, Houston wins a baseball game. The Astros now take a 2-0 series lead in the ALCS. Last night, the final score, 3-2. The Astros were a minus 144 home favorite last night with Framber Valdez on the bump, and he was phenomenal. Seven innings of work, no earned runs allowed, although two runs were scored while he was on the bump. Only four hits to the Yankees, and he struck out nine, going well over his strikeout prop of five and a half. Luis Severino... Not a terrible night on the mound as well, going over his strikeout prop, finishing with six, but did allow a three-run bomb to Alex Bregman in the home half of the third inning, and that's really all the Astros needed. The Yankees had their chances. They had runners on, including in the top of the ninth inning against Ryan Presley, down to their final batter, Harrison Bader on the base pass, Giancarlo Stanton at the dish. And he strikes out looking. Ryan Presley, his second straight save in this series. So now because of that 2-0 series advantage for the Houston Astros, they head to New York tomorrow for game number three as a minus 600 favorite to win the American League Championship Series outright. Minus 600. The pinstripes a plus 480 underdog as they get going. Garrett Cole not officially named the starter yet but expected to get the nod for game number three tomorrow up in the Bronx. All right, so much to get to. It is a football Friday. Mike Blewett joins us next live right here on The Morning End. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So much to get to here on a football Friday live on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. If it is a football Friday, that means Mike Blewett is here on the morning after as well. The host of Pro Football Today each and every Sunday alongside Kevin Walsh starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time to set you up for your Sunday slate. And Mike Blewett, I'm sure one thing you will discuss The ramifications of Christian McCaffrey, now a San Francisco 49er. Traded last night 
from Carolina to San Francisco for four total draft picks over the next two drafts. The Niners going fully in right now, Blewett, sensing maybe a weak NFC and the ability for that conference championship to be up in the air. They give up a second, third, and fourth round pick for this upcoming draft, a fifth rounder in 2024. Blewett, what would you grade San Francisco's trade for Christian McCaffrey? I think it's going to be talked about a lot. There's always going to be a segment of the football watching population that thinks that, well, if the Niners have gotten this far utilizing low cost running backs like Raheem Mostert and Eli Mitchell and Jeff Wilson, what's the need for a dynamic bank that you have to pay for? And I concur with that to some extent, but I would also note that a couple of these draft picks are subsidized by the fact that they have compensatory draft picks for the hirings of Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel. So that all has to go into the secret sauce. You don't just necessarily have to accumulate 15 draft picks per draft and utilize all of them. They are to be used for moves like this. They uh, have undoubtedly upgraded their run game. He's a dynamic pass catcher. And as you mm -hmm. said to me before we came on air, the idea of Christian McCaffrey in a Kyle Shanahan offense is a lot of fun. He's better than all of the backs that they have. There is no argument. And they've dealt with a lot of injuries to the backs, to the backfield. And Christian McCaffrey's had his own set of injuries. So uh, one would only hope that he stays healthy. I have been bullish on the Niners Throughout the season, they obviously have hit a spate of injuries that was insurmountable a week ago, and hopefully mm -hmm. they start to get a little bit healthier. I do think that this team is challenging all the way through January, perhaps towards February, and I think he only strengthens this team. Absolutely so. Christian McCaffrey, over 100 scrimmage yards in each of the last four, five games, excuse me, for Carolina. And now that in a Kyle Shanahan offense is very, very enticing. Blue, we showed it earlier. $2 taken off that price for San Francisco to win the NFC. Now the third best price after acquiring Christian McCaffrey at plus 650. The odds backing up what you are saying that San Francisco is very much in the thick of it within the NFC. And now back into an odds on category as a minus 110 favorite to win the NFC West. The division the Arizona Cardinals also play in. And entering week number seven, Bluett, it was one of three divisions in the National Football League where every team, including those Niners, were at 500 or worse. So despite the fact the Cards started off the year just two and four, a win last night, they're only a half game out of first place in the NFC West. So the Cardinals pick up a big victory. The Saints move back to two and five and their odds to make the postseason grow longer. Blue, do you have any hope for either of these two teams or maybe Arizona after the victory last night to still have a shot at being a postseason contender? I don't know that I do, but what is interesting about this week in the NFC West is I think it's a division that's been disappointing to some people. The Rams are off and there's a chance that the Rams being off will leave them alone in first place at the end of the week. Tough games mm -hmm. for the Seattle Seahawks playing the Chargers and the Niners, the aforementioned Niners, playing the Chiefs. So we might have a three and three team and three, three and four teams. So that is pretty fascinating. I will say this about the Saints. I, going into the year, I was well below the market on my thoughts for their possibilities of success. They've clearly dealt with injuries as well, notably to the quarterback position and it showed last night three picks a couple of pick sixes for our guy 
Andy Dalton, the red rifle. I, I have to support my redheaded quarterbacks, but last night was not a great showing. Uh, I, I just think that the loss of Sean Payton was too great. It's not a Dennis Allen criticism, and they have not shown an ability through the injuries, obviously, to be able to consistently play play consistent offense. But frankly, Ben, the real issue for them has been defensively. Teams over the last five games have either scored the most points they've scored during the season or the second most points they've scored during the season against an opponent. So uh, I get that 14 points really is the offense's fault, but I don't think the defense is coming up with the key stops that they need. Marshawn Lattimore's injury is clearly impactful. So sort of off of the Saints I have been, I, I don't think they're a playoff team unless they get right on defense. Arizona, I don't know what the argument was all about with Cliff and Kyler last night. I, I tend to think those things are overblown, but I just wonder if there's trouble behind the scenes. This does not seem like a team to me that is in sync in any way. Good win for them last night, but it does not seem like a team that is in sync, especially when we start comparing them to the other playoff teams, because if they're not going to be in sync, they're not as talented as the other teams that we can talk about that are in a similar position, like Green Bay, like the Niners right now. So I uh, start to stack the teams together and considering the starts that the Giants and even the Cowboys and obviously the Eagles have gotten out to, starts to get a little thin for opportunities. So now Arizona, three and four, like Mike Blewett mentioned, and those two other teams in action in the NFC West this weekend, both underdogs, the Niners against the Chiefs. Christian McCaffrey expected to play, but probably just in red zone sets, keeping it simple for him in his first game with San Francisco and the Seahawks, a five-point dog on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Speaking of those dogs, and maybe the public perception around them, the Atlanta Falcons, Mike Blewett, the only perfect team against the number in the National Football League. 6-0 ATS, booked as an underdog in all six games. A six-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals on Sunday afternoon. Blewett, does this cover trend of the perfect dirty birds come to an end on Sunday? I believe it does. I would have left them out of the triple option as far as a side is concerned, but I do like the Bengals this week. Shout out to the Falcons. I think they've done an amazing job this season, staying in games, being competitive, even those games that they've lost. I just do feel like at this point that the Bengals are starting to hit a little bit of a stride. And I think given the relatively short spread, uh, it's not over a touchdown right now. I think the Bengals take care of business, but it's fair to say, well, why, when they're getting a touchdown, would you back away from the Falcons now? I just think it's going to be hard for them to continue to stay in games when they start going up against defensive coordinators like Lou Anaromo, who's been unbelievable in the second half of most of the games. And I think the Arthur Smith-Lou Anaromo battle is one to watch this week. Mm. It could go sideways as far as my selection is concerned. I just like the Bengals, especially in the second half of this game. They're not going to be able to throw the ball 14 times. The Falcons aren't and win a game like they did the other day. The Falcons, the second worst passing defense in the NFL. Look out for big numbers on Joe Burrow, maybe Jamar Chase as well. Speaking of that public perception, why, some might ask, are the best cover team in the NFL getting six and a half points? You might say the same thing about the Giants on the road in Jacksonville. A 5-1 and one New York team, Mike Blewett. 
is a three-point underdog on the road in Duval County. How come? Uh, this is the type of spread that scares you completely. Yep. I, I've been staring at the Giants for four days now, saying, why would this be the case? I, like the books to some extent, think that the Giants are doing this a little bit with smoke and mirrors. If you look at a lot of their, a lot of their numbers, not great. Three touchdown passes, I believe, on the year going into last week. And there are a variety of things that are happening in the fourth quarters of this games that are earning them wins. But uh, this spread scares me a lot. I like the Giants, but it doesn't make sense that they'd be a three-point dog. Listen, when the line doesn't make sense, there is a reason for that. Maybe we are not to question. We'll do our best, though, to go around the NFL. We run the triple option up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Each and every football Friday, our promise to you, establishing the run right here on the morning after live on SportsGrid. And by establishing the run, I mean run the triple option, our favorite side, total, and prompt for the NFL and the Sunday slate. Week number seven began last night in Arizona. The Cardinals covering as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, snapping an eight-game home losing skid. So Mike Blewett and myself, Ben Stevens here, will give you our favorite plays for the Sunday slate, Mike Lewitt, you are our guest as always. Please begin with your favorite side for NFL week number seven in the Sunday action we have. All right. New angle on the side. So when you look up and down the board, as you and I have talked about before, week seven, it's getting a little trickier. It's a little difficult sure. to find a team that you're going to go out and just bet the lay the points or take the points. It's getting a little trickier now. Bye weeks. Are, among, are amongst us. These games are getting trickier. A lot of times we like to bet a first half. All right, we like this team to get off to a good start. I kind of like that with Green Bay this week. Also like it with Cincinnati. But Ben, we're going with a second half spread this week. The Texans this year have scored not an abundance of points. 10, 6, 14, 7, and 6 points in the first half. So not scoring a lot of points. But they've only been losing once in those first halves. The lack of success for the Texans has happened in the second half. So the Raiders, I like to lay three and a half in the second half to the Houston Texans. Now, you can go first half. If you like the Raiders to get off to a good start, you can bet this game live, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I think the Raiders take care of business, wear down the Texans, minus three and a half in the second half for the Las Vegas Raiders. A wonderful angle of approach. We've done first half spreads and first half totals, but a second half number and looking at that before the game plays out. A lot of people jump on a second half number at the halftime break. I like the look, Mike Blewett. That's a way to find maybe a discernible edge when, as he said, the lines are very, very sharp for week number seven. You mentioned the Packers there in your rationale. I'm looking at Green Bay this week. I don't know. They're only a four and a half point favorite on the road against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders now without Carson Wentz for the next four to six weeks. Yes, Taylor Heineke might provide a little bit of a spark, but this Washington team, not all that great. Their scoring offense, fifth worst in the National Football League. Not a great 
team. The fourth worst scoring offense, excuse me. Green Bay, though, 15th in total offense. The ninth worst scoring offense, only averaging less than 18 points per game. It has not been pretty for these Green Bay Packers. But at a certain point, you have to expect Aaron Rodgers to figure it out. Now, listen, the Pack this year, just 1-3 and three against the spread as a favorite. But Washington, as an underdog, 0-3 against the number as well. I think we're getting a slightly depressed number in favor of Green Bay to go on the road and cover this. And Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to simplify the offense. Matt LaFleur, his head coach and play caller, has no idea what that means. They have both agreed, though, that Aaron Jones needs to touch the football more. And that is a necessity. Because with the lack of Devontae Adams and the young wide receivers starting to pick it up, Aaron Jones is the best player on the football field. Get him the football. Green Bay figures this out, or else I fade them the rest of the year. But I think one final time, week number seven. The Packers cover as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Blew it on the road against a Washington team that I do not have very high hopes for. I like it. I do think Washington, to some extent, doesn't lose all that much going to Heineke, but their defensive issues have been glaring at times as well. I wonder if Green Bay can take advantage of it. Uh, Green Bay doesn't know their identity right now. I think yeah. it's a big part of the challenge, but I do think you're right. I think there's a depressed number here, and I can see Green Bay winning a comfortable game on Sunday. I'm going to go over to my total. I like the Bengals this week. I'm going to stay with them on this total and take their first half number, 13 and a half, over in the first half. Uh, Atlanta, the Bengals have done this in three of their last four games. Atlanta's calling card has really been – uh, their ability to control the ball, run the football. But as you mentioned about Atlanta's past defense earlier, I think there's an opportunity for Joey B and Chase to take advantage of them. So it's not a big number. Just got need a couple of touchdowns, maybe an Evan Mack field goal or yep. two. But uh, I like them to go over the 13 and a half in the first half. The Falcons are not a great scoring defense. Like Blewett mentioned, the second worst pass defense in the National Football League, giving up nearly 282 yards per game. It seems right that at least Cincinnati will score some points, even if the Dirty Birds, the best cover team in the National Football League, the only perfect cover team in the National Football League, can keep this game within margin. But eventually, it has to stop. Maybe it's this week, or at least since he scores some points in those opening two quarters so blue this was the bet that i locked in yesterday before the trade of christian mccaffrey to san francisco the carolina panthers are dismal offensively and cmc is not the only player that will be traded robbie anderson early this week for different reasons christian mccaffrey traded as well the fire sale is on dj moore will soon leave carolina as well i think as is to be expected so the panthers team total under 13 and a half is my favorite bet from a total perspective for this weekend. They are tied for the second-worst scoring offense in the National Football League the last three weeks, averaging just 13.7 points per game. Now, I say that with the caveat. 13.5 against the Bucks is a very, very low number. It does not take a ton to score two touchdowns in the National Football League. And the only time the Panthers have been under 13.5 this year was just the 10 points they put up last week against the Rams. But P.J. Walker got that start. P.J. Walker is expected to get the start against Tampa Bay, although Sam Darnold has cleared IR. And although things are not great for the Bucs right now, just a 3-3 three and three football team, they still have the fifth-best scoring defense in the NFL, only allowing 17.2 points per game. And actually, they have held two opponents under this team total of 13.5 
this year. And just two more, the Packers and the Falcons scored 14 and 15 respectively. And I think some of those numbers on the Buccaneers and that scoring defense blew it slightly skewed by the 41 the Chiefs hung on them a couple of Sunday nights ago. The Panthers offense, if you have watched it, I am sorry for you. Watching Big Ten football is more beautiful than that. The Panthers offense has looked stale, stagnant, dismal, awful, whatever word you want to throw in there. I think the Bucs need to win this football game. They're a 10.5-point favorite to do so, and that starts defensively first as Tom Brady stops to try to yell at his offensive line. So under 13.5 Panthers team total, that's my favorite total this weekend. I like it. Uh, I like where your head is at. I just, uh, I think there's a, a whole bunch of ways that we've attacked these totals. So this total has gotten to a ridiculous level now, though. It's 12 and a half. So it's come down even further from the 13 and a half that you locked yeah. in. So I think people are following your advice, following your lead as far as this bet is concerned. Uh, I really do like to attack those low team totals. In fact, I, I'm looking at the Bears potentially for Monday night. Uh, in the same position. I just think that their team total, I'll get it for you right now, is at 15 and a half. They've missed that three of their six games and against a Bill Belichick coach defense. I, I think the Bears are another team total that's interesting. So let's go to my prop and I'm going to keep it with the Raiders and Devontae Adams over on receiving yards. I think it'll probably be in the 80 range. Uh, he's obviously hit that in his last two games, 20 total targets, 12 receptions, 225 yards, multiple touchdowns. I think Defonte Adams over on receiving yards is one of the ones I feel best about this week. Uh, when it comes out on FanDuel, I expect it to be in that 80 range. So bet it over. Probably all the way up to like like 84 and a half. A couple of investments on the Las Vegas Raiders. A one-win football team taking on another one-win football team, but the Raiders near a touchdown favorite. My favorite prop, Blewett, your guy. Fly, Eagles, fly. Not Philadelphia, the Boston College Eagles. And noted alum, Matt Ryan, for the Indianapolis Colts this week, on the road in Nashville, a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Matt Ryan, near 40 years old, threw the football 58 times last week in the Colts' victory. I expect something similar, although the prop will be up there. Now, one hesitation. Jonathan Taylor is expected to return for this Indianapolis offense after missing the last two weeks. But the Colts are still playing the Tennessee Titans, which is the worst pass defense in the National Football League, giving up nearly 288 yards per game. So still an area of attack. And Matt Ryan is averaging 42.2 passing attempts per game this year, the second most in the NFL, only behind Justin Herbert. And the Colts are throwing it the third most in terms of their passing play percentage, nearly 66 percent of the time and Matt Ryan has hit 37 or more passing attempts in five of his six games blew it send me that hat for Sunday Matt Ryan over his passing attempts prop whenever it comes out probably 36 or 37 and a half listen that's going to be a high number but I still like the over I say this with no bias whatsoever it's a great bet feels like a lock Ben thank you I mean I don't think there was any bias in that whatsoever Mike blew it what about BC covering the numbers this weekend I'll give you a little hint here Joe Lisi on College Football Today. We do a go for the loot segment. A big plus money underdog has to be $2 or greater. Guess who he picked? Your Boston College Eagles. He hates BC. He bets against them every chance he gets. So the fact that he is on them this weekend, I'm not sure if I'm horribly discouraged or incredibly encouraged. So it's a rare moment that he's going to support my Eagles, but I appreciate it. 
a 20 and a half point underdog on the road in Winston-Salem against number 13 Wake Forest. It's a plus 860 number. I didn't realize the spread in money line was that drastic, but Joe Lisi truly going for the loot. That will be on Saturday, tomorrow. That's college football today. And then on Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time, it's pro football today with Mike Blewett, Kevin Walsh, and a cast and crew that you won't find anywhere else in this industry. Blewett, have a wonderful show on Sunday. Have a wonderful football weekend as well. Thanks, buddy. Great to be with you as always. Great to have you here as always as well. A football Friday, sure, but tons happening in the sports world. We touch on the NBA, the opening week of the association next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Opening week of the association, an NBA recap here. Yes, on a football Friday, but really just a Friday. On the morning after, live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Last night, a matchup of two of the front runners in the Eastern Conference. The home debut for the Philadelphia 76ers at home in Philly, hosting now the Eastern Conference favorites, the NBA title favorites as well. The Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks were a four-point road underdog, and the Bucks went outright by two points. A low-scoring affair, 90 to 88 last night in the city of brotherly love. We welcome on right now from Basketball News a national columnist for a great site covering all things around the NBA. Evan Sideri is back here on the morning after on this Friday live right here on SportsGrid. So, Evan, last night in Philadelphia, the Bucks go on the road to start their season, and they pick up win number one. A low-scoring game, 90-88. to 88. What was your takeaway from what you saw last night in Philly between the Bucks and the Sixers? Yeah, I think, honestly, it was a situation where the two stars really dictated how it was going to go. Yasin Tenekumpo had a great all-around game, but Joel Embiid, unfortunately, didn't do much in the second half. He had a good start to the game, but after that, he just kind of fizzled out there. It looked like he was a little bit tired from the couple nights beforehand. But Giannis, he was well-refreshed for season opener. The the complimentary pieces like Grayson Allen stepped alongside him as well. I think it was a situation to me where just the Bucks looked to me like the better team currently, but it could be just a little bit of Joel Embiid having an off night too as well. And when you look at these two teams, right now, two of the four best prices to win the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are the favorites in the East, the favorites to win an NBA championship. Who do you think right now, Evan, as you see these teams get started here in 2022-23, has that higher ceiling the rest of the way? I would say if everything clicks together for Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and James Harden, Tyrese Maxey's ascending as well in his third year, I think Philadelphia is, is one of the better bets to place here if everything clicks together, which is a big question because that could be a situation where Joel Embiid, we've seen already his injuries history in the past. James Harden as well. They both have some fatigue problems late in the season too. So I do wonder about that. A lot more pressure could be placed upon Tyrese Maxey's shoulders, which looks like he could handle. So that could be something to watch out for throughout this season. But I would say potential-wise, I would go for Philadelphia, but you can never really be- really feel good betting against Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
after just a couple of days so far in the NBA opening week, the most market movement we've really seen, the NBA MVP odds. Luka Doncic remains the favorite. His odds slightly shorter, but Giannis now tied for the second best price alongside JoJo. Both of those players at 7-1. to one. So Evan, when you evaluate the NBA MVP race and the odds board that we see here, what is the criteria you use for blending individual success with how the teams factor into the equation as well? Yeah, it's a really good question because we see all the time players have great seasons, but they don't really get much love in the MVP race. And it really is all about the narrative as far as how good your team is alongside how great of a season you're having. We saw it last year with Devin Booker, who the Suns were really good. He had a, a usual season he's had the last couple of years, around 27-5-5. Five and five. But the reason why he got that much love in the voting process, finishing third, was because the Suns were the best team in the NBA record-wise. So that's what we have to look out for here is a great NBA season mixed in with a great team result there. I think Giannis is a great one at plus 700. I think John Morant as well, plus 1,200, is a great value play there as well. He can lead the league in scoring this year. We saw it right on opening night for the Grizzlies. And then another one, too, that I think is a really solid one, the way they looked against the Brooklyn Nets, is Zion Williamson at plus 2,300 because – This Pelicans team is absolutely loaded with CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, a fully healthy Zion. I think Willie Green is a great coach as well. And you have great supplementary pieces around them. They're all young. They're all developing together, too. So that's a great team to look at long term. I think plus 2300 is a great value play there if you want to throw it. But I think Giannis, you think think as well, like John Moran, like I mentioned, Zion. Look for these teams that are on the rise, that have great young stars, that could put big, huge numbers. And they could take the leap this year as far as performance goes as well. And those narratives always a factor into individual awards. It's not just based on metrics or plus minus. It is the media voting on who wins that NBA MVP. So if Zion is great or if Jaw continues to highlight like he does each and every night, their odds probably growing shorter throughout this season. So we talked about the Eastern Conference, the favorites in the Bucks taking on the team with the fourth best price in the Sixers last night. On this Friday evening, though, Evan, as we get going here in this NBA opening week, the Boston Celtics, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, as you can see there, with the second best price in the East, taking on the Miami Heat in South Beach, the team that has the fifth best odds to win the Eastern Conference. How do you break down this opening week matchup between the Seas and the Heat? I think this is a really interesting matchup, and and this one I'm actually favoring the underdog here. I'm going to go with Miami in this spot because they're more rested at this week of the season. Jimmy Butler at this point in the year is fully healthy. We know sometimes that he can break down with some injuries. And then Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, two key young pieces for this Miami Heat young core. I think they're going to have huge nights tonight. Bam is going to be going against a team without Robert Williams down low for Boston. I think he holds a mm. huge matchup down there against Al Horford and Grant Williams. And then Tyler Hero, he, he plays multiple roles for them as a playmaker, a high-volume scorer, too. I think he has a really good matchup tonight against Malcolm Brogdon for the Boston Celtics. So I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on Jimmy Butler tonight, but look out for Tyler Hero, look out for Bam Adebayo. I think they match up here very well against Boston tonight, so I'm going to take the Heat with the plus money here. The Heat started off their season with a loss at home against the Chicago Bulls. Another team losing their home opener. The Brooklyn Nets, they got thrashed, Evan, as you mentioned, by the New Orleans Pelicans. They take on the Toronto Raptors on this Friday evening. Do you expect this to be that bounce-back spot for Brooklyn to find their way into the win column? This is the ideal bounce-back spot, Ben. I mean, we look at what happened to the to the Nets against the Pelicans. I think we see big games for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think Ben Simmons will step in this game as well. 
Toronto is a really underrated team in the Eastern Conference. I think they've been slept on all offseason long because they have such a good core there. Pascal Siakman, Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes looks like a young star in this league as well. And OG Ananobi, once he figures things out offensively, looks like he is so far. They could be a really dangerous team. But in this matchup tonight, though, I love Brooklyn. I love the stars in Durant and Kyrie Irving to come out and have huge games for them. So I will definitely take the bounce back scenario here for Brooklyn. KD, 32 points in the opening game. Really the only highlight for Brooklyn as they lost by 22 at home against New Orleans. I would expect even a strong performance tonight from KD once again. You can look at his points prop for that game as well. So as we evaluate the Brooklyn Nets right now, Evan, a very interesting team in the Eastern Conference with all the drama we saw this offseason and throughout the summer months, yet still the third best price to win the Eastern Conference. What do you think the outlook is for Brooklyn in 2022-23? I think the only reasonable expectation, especially with running it back the way they do with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, is to win a title. I mean, that's the only thing that I think is going to keep this core together long-term is them having deep postseason success because now you're running the risk of Kevin Durant being a year older, you get less value on a trade this summer if he does indeed ask out again. Kyrie Irving could walk in free agency. So really, all chips are on the table this year for Brooklyn. I love the number, though, 51 and a half. I think they will go over that still. So I think there's still good value to play there. But I think Brooklyn right now, compared to, let's say, Milwaukee and Philadelphia, I think they're a little further behind just because you have to see how Durant and Kyrie fit with this new core around them. It's going to take a little bit for all these new pieces to gel together. So I have them third in the East currently, but the upside there, obviously, Kevin Durant's one of the greatest scorers of NBA history. Same with Kyrie Irving within the modern era. So if everything clicks together well for them, I love Brooklyn to go the over there. But currently, I'm a little bit hesitant to go all the way in on Brooklyn just yet. I mean, you got to think the Nets bounce back tonight. And of course, that expectation is an Eastern Conference championship and then an appearance in the NBA Finals. If it's not that and things go south early on, there might be some changes coming Brooklyn's way. Let's go now to the Western Conference. The matchup in the Battle of Los Angeles last night inside the Crypto.com arena. Although the Lakers were the home team, the Clippers get the victory on their home floor as well. Covering as a five and a half point favorite, winning by six, 103.97 over LA. Let's start with the Lakers first, and then we'll get to the Clippers because we have seen some odds movement benefit Los Angeles, this being the Clips in this particular instance as well. The Lakers now 0-2, Evan, to start off this year, and it hasn't looked necessarily inspiring or all that great to begin this season are you concerned for the lakers yes evan even after just two games yeah it's rare to say you hit the panic button the first week of the nba season ben but i think we're already there with the lakers we're seeing exactly what was wrong with this roster they had little to no depth you're relying an awful lot on russell westbrook to bounce back and be an off-ball player which has never been throughout his career so it's just not going well for them i would not be shocked they circle back around try to do that trade with the indiana pacers to get buddy healed miles turner because they need the shooting. They need the defensive Miles Turner. So I think there's going to be some sort of pain move happening here very soon, Ben, because you're seeing just all the flaws in this roster. LeBron, in his age, can't carry them all the way to the championship. Anthony Davis is a flight risk injury-wise. We've seen it already. Yep. He has multiple times throughout his career not been reliable from that sense. So I'm definitely down the Lakers so far this week. I think you're going to see them make a deal at some point because you're kind of wasting away a window of LeBron and Anthony Davis here. It's kind of your last push. You want to do it. And with a $47 million expiring contract in Russell Westbrook and at least two future first-round picks through 2029. You can try to make some sort of deal happen here that pushes you up at least past the play-in ceiling, which I think that's where the Lakers currently are. I don't think there's probably seven or eight teams probably better than the Lakers currently, which is not something you should be saying with LeBron and AD on your team. 
And you see the stat line for Russell Westbrook last night. 0 of 11 from the field. 0 of 6 from 3. 2 points, 3 boards, 4 assists, 5 steals. As Russ said himself after the game, hey, he played hard out there, but I don't think LeBron cares about the effort at this point. And Evan, we just flashed the Western Conference odds. That was the big movement. The Clippers now the favorites in the West, moving past the reigning NBA champs in the Golden State Warriors, what is your evaluation for the Clippers? Were they healthy, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the entirety of this season? I think it's a spot-on investment there if you want to still do plus 270. I think what the Clippers are doing currently with Kawhi Leonard is very smart because we know Kawhi won't hold up throughout a 100-game season, let's say, if we're including the postseason. So playing it slow with Kawhi, limiting his minutes the first month or so of the season, I think it's a smart way to go. You get him revved up throughout the middle of the season. You get into that top two, top three seed in the Western Conference, and you go from there. I mean, I think Kawhi is still one of the best players in the NBA. Paul George is underrated as well. I think this is a situation to me for the Clippers where a plus 270 value, we could see that drop down to around plus 200 around Christmas because I think they're going to go on a roll here. Kawhi is going to get more and more in rhythm, and they're going to be very hard to stop on both ends of the court. I love their depth moves they made too. I think they've made a lot of moves that really work around the margins as well. So I love the Clippers here. I think they have considerable margin between them and the Lakers, especially in, the, in Los Angeles, but also in the Western Conference. I think we see teams like Denver and Phoenix a little bit further behind them than, than we expected so far because they look like a legitimate title contender, the Clippers do. It is so interesting to see that movement based on one individual result in the opening week. That should speak to you about how the market even views the Clips at this point. Kawhi in his first game in over a year, coming off the bench yesterday for the Clippers, but still finishing with 14 points. You mentioned the Nuggets, maybe a little bit disappointed to start this season, losing to the Utah Jazz. They're a five-point road underdog tonight in Golden State against the Dubs. Evan, quickly here, how do you think this game plays out tonight in San Francisco? This is a simple one to me. I'm not going to bet against Stephen Curry at home. He, he's a dominant player at home. I, I love the Warriors in the spot. Going with Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, all big nights from three. Nikola Jokic, you saw in the postseason last year, he can put the whole team on his back. But you have to see how the supporting pieces work around him. Jamal Murray still working his way back in. Dan Michael Porter Jr. So I think the Warriors team is a lot more cohesive right now compared to the Nuggets are working guys back in. So give me the Warriors and the points there. There is optimism certainly for Denver if Jamal Murray is healthy and if MPJ can add to that as well, but we'll have to see it play out throughout this season. Evan Sideri, a national reporter for Basketball News, breaking it down for us here on a Friday on the morning after. Evan, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. We come back to round out hour one next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of a Football Friday Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. It's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this opening hour of your Friday morning. The big news of the National Football League last night, not Thursday night football, and finally seeing it over in a primetime game on a Thursday between the Cardinals and the Saints. The San Francisco 49ers trading with the Carolina Panthers to acquire Christian McCaffrey. But they gave up a ton for a running back just based on assets and value as things stand in the NFL. 
three draft picks for this upcoming draft, a second, third, and fourth round draft pick, and then for next year, a fifth rounder as well. So with all of that into context and what CMC might do with Kyle Shanahan in that San Fran offense, how do you grade this trade? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. Also, I didn't even realize. I just rhymed right there. Grade this trade. Good stuff. All right. A, B, C, or D. What grade do you give the Christian McCaffrey trade to the 49ers? Looking at it more from a 49ers standpoint, we don't really care what's happening in Carolina in the fire sale in Charlotte at the moment. And most of the public thinks very favorably about this trade. A pretty dead even split between a grade of an A or a B at SportsGrid TV on Twitter, this active and ongoing poll. I'm seeing the numbers move right now because it is an active poll and B moving slightly ahead of A. I think that's a pretty fair representation. The Niners are all in. Right now they have three draft picks and there's some com uh, compensatory picks coming their way because of the hirings of Robert Salah and Mike McDaniel in the last two years. But right now the Niners have three draft picks, a fifth, and two seventh rounders for this upcoming draft. So this is their time. And the market has moved in their favor. Now the third best price to win the NFC at plus 650 with Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco. Hour number two of the morning after is up next. Plenty more from around the entirety of the sports world right here live on Sports Radio.